Welcome, everybody, uh, to the MPP National Call this Thursday, January 21st, 2021. Uh, we had a peaceful transition, a successful transition of power yesterday, so we can now uh, breathe a sigh of relief and focus on the work ahead of building our party. My name is Phil Atetto. I'm in Annapolis, Maryland. Please, uh, in the chat, write your name and what city you're from so we can kind of get a feel for where everybody's hailing from. And uh, We'll probably close that a bit after we get started because uh, we had some issues with it in the past. But uh, please use the Q and A, which should be a bottom a button at the bottom center of your screen, of your Zoom screen, uh, for questions that you have. And then at the end of the call, we'll have a, a time for some uh, for a Q and A and get to them. Uh, so just going to go over the agenda for the call quickly. Uh, we're going to start off with some updates from Nick. Uh, Biden's first 100 days, uh, People's Party 100 days and uh, how MPP can become the party, transitioning from the movement to the party. Uh, then uh, Michelle and I are gonna talk a bit about hub building and uh, Tiffany may add a few things about ballot access. Then we have a few of our local featured speakers. We have our friend Edie from San Diego, California, as well as Mark from Washington State. Um, then we're gonna have a finance update from Regina, uh, an electoral strategy update from Tiffany, uh, then we're going to get into the Q&A, and uh, Michelle is going to close us out. So once again, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And I will pass it along to Nick to update us on what's going on in the wider world. Nick, what's the good word? Thanks, Phil. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us in the new year. Um, and so yesterday we had Biden uh, inaugurated. Uh, it was uh, not as eventful as uh, January 6th, of course. Um, but uh, still so much happening that indicates where the Biden administration is going to go. Um, for example, just starting off with Biden's promise that gave the Democrats the Senate in the first place. And that was, uh, he said, uh, in a last ditch effort um, to try to win the Senate, uh, they started saying that they were going to give everybody $2,000 checks. And so there, you know, Biden was out there, he was campaigning. Um, for the Democrats in Georgia uh, for Senate and telling everybody the power is in your hands. $2,000 checks will go out the door immediately. And the Senate candidates were campaigning on that. Everybody was campaigning on that. And then lo and behold, Biden wins. I mean, the Democrats win in Georgia. They get full majority Senate, House, presidency. And immediately they start backtracking and they say, Okay, here's your, uh, you're going to get your $1,400 check. And of course, uh, most of the country and the progressive, all of the progressive movement said, what? $1,400 does not equal $2,000. Well, it didn't end there. Um, now we are hearing um, that basically, as soon as the Biden administration uh, was inaugurated, they quietly uh, said that they would also uh what what was going to be in two thousand dollar immediate checks immediate you know because you have tens of millions of people like more than 20 million people who are at risk of getting 
evicted literally the moment that the eviction moratoriums end and then you have 15 million people who've lost their health insurance uh and you have lines thousands of cars long for food you know just to just to get food because you have an enormous amount of food insecurity in the united states now well it turns out that not only was 2400 but immediate was march and so now we're going to be getting the two the, the 1400 checks in march supposedly but it gets better too because uh Chuck Schumer did something um, that you never see the Republicans do when they take power. And that is that he is negotiating a power sharing agreement with the Republicans and McConnell. Wait a minute. I thought the whole point of winning those seats in Georgia and winning the Senate in the first place was so that the Democrats would have power, not the Republicans. And now they're willfully going with the Republicans and negotiating a power sharing agreement. And they're not even sure if they're going to use things like uh, uh, reconciliation, like there isn't even agreement inside the Democratic Party about whether they're going to use that to reduce the threshold of passage in the Senate um, from 60 to 50 to a simple majority. And so, you know, it's just it's it's amazing. When is the last that when do you see Republicans win? And then immediately turn to Democrats and start putting them in their administration, in their cabinet, or start negotiating power sharing agreements after having won. And what, what they also said as a result of this is that those checks are at that 1.9 trillion, <laughs> that's not gonna be the final number either. That they that Biden said that his stimulus would be that 1.9 trillion is pre-power sharing agreement and pre-negotiation with the Republicans. And so that's going to go down. And now you have people talking about 1 trillion to 1.5 trillion. It's amazing, amazing. Such a bait and switch and such a fraud from the Biden administration. Um, and of course, as this is as if his corporate cabinet wasn't enough to tell us where his administration is going. Um, you also had uh, in the last since since we last had a national call, you had, of course, surprise, Bernie Sanders denied labor secretary. What a big surprise. Uh, and so it was the most predictable thing in the world that the Biden administration was just kind of dangling the labor secretary in front of Bernie in an effort to keep him from criticizing any of Biden's corporate appointees, like even Neera Tandon, who is just absolutely vicious against the Bernie campaign in 2016 um, and 2020, and then would ultimately deny it to him in the end after they had convinced Bernie essentially, or gotten Bernie not to criticize the, the incoming administration. Well, that's what happened. Um, and Bernie doesn't get the position uh, either. Um, so in the big picture, uh, what we're seeing from Biden and what Biden is now promising us and appearing to deliver is four more years of neoliberalism that are even worse than what Obama gave uh, during his eight years of presidency. And Obama's eight years of neoliberalism gave us Trump. 
So the American electorate that is running from candidate to party to candidate, looking for some kind of escape hatch to this inferno, this horrific inferno with tens of millions of people without basic needs, food, shelter, utilities, housing, healthcare, people are looking to escape that. They tried a progressive, they tried Obama. He promised all the right things, right? He didn't deliver. And so then they went to Trump. And, and then they went back to Biden, but Biden is the last dying gasp of a dying empire. And what we get after Biden, after Trump didn't work, after Obama didn't work, is gonna be, uh, is, is gonna be outright fascism. And that's where the People's Party comes in because we're perhaps one of the only things that stands in between that. We have to show people that the fascism is not the only alternative to the status quo, that they have come to hate because of how much it has crushed them. And that's what we're working towards in 2024. That's what we're working towards by running congressional candidates in 2022, at least uh, 15 of which we are looking at running to get national party recognition in 2023. And then in 2024, running a presidential candidate. And so as a part of, uh, as a part of this, uh, some exciting things that I wanna share with you tonight are that, uh, the Biden administration is essentially using its 100 days to go back to the Obama status quo. Um, they're doing some good things, of course, like uh, canceling Keystone, but Keystone is just one of many pipelines. Um, and the Obama administration was the one that, along with Biden, the Obama-Biden administration is a reason that Keystone even exists still, because they built Keystone for eight years and then Obama only canceled it in the last month of his presidency, knowing that Trump was gonna come in and he was just gonna bring it right back. And he only canceled it after there was the, as basically a, a weeks of attacks on water protectors. So we want to, uh, the, the list of things, executive power is enormous. The power of the presidency is enormous in the United States. For example, the president could use, and, and this is little known, but we are bringing attention to it. The president could on his own in the context of the coronavirus pandemic, use section 1881A of the Social Security Act passed in 2010 as a part of the Affordable Care Act to give extend Medicare coverage to every American, Biden could on his own implement Medicare for all. And this was done, there's precedent for it in section 1881A of the Social Security Act. And there's a number of people who brought attention to this, like the uh, there was a great article in American Prospect written about it in November. Uh, Lee Camp wrote an article just recently about it. And the statute states that if exposed to an environmental um, contaminant or toxin of some kind, some kind of environmental contaminant in response to that, the government can extend Medicare to 
the people affected. And so the people affected in this case is the entire United States. And it was done to give the town of Libby, Montana, uh, Medicare for all. And so it's the only town in the United States that has Medicare for all. Max Bacchus um, added that to the Affordable Care Act. And that could be used now to extend it to every American. Other things that the president could unilaterally do, end all oil and gas exploration. Pardon Julian Assange and uh, Edward Snowden uh, and Chelsea Manning. Um, cancel the large majority of student debt. And so there's an enormous amount that the president can on their own do. And so in that spirit, uh, we're going to be putting out tomorrow a uh, 100 days survey to see what all of you as MPP members, People's Party members, would be interested in seeing in a People's Party 100 days. And this will give us a benchmark of comparison to what the Biden administration does and the enormous chasm of their lack of their unwillingness to use their power to help people uh, on their own. Again, they have no one else to blame. This is solely in Biden's power. Uh, another part of that will be uh, to see what everybody thinks. I'm excited to see this. Um, cabinet members. Uh, and so seeing who you all would be interested uh, and think would be good cabinet members, you know, who, who could be in a People's Party administration. And so put out some, uh, we'll, we'll collect some names. And so this is something we're excited to gather and excited to share back uh, because we want to root our programs, of course, the ultimate platform of the People's Party will be determined at the founding convention um, in the second half of this year. But we want to uh, root uh, what we are advocating for in what you as our members want. And so we are excited to put that out. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to update on before handing it over to Phil and uh, Michelle uh, to update on hub building and state party formation is that we are gonna be having a set of calls to discuss the uh, national party bylaws and rules. Uh, and so we will invite everybody to those calls and we will be going over some of the big items of determining what we want the actual national party rules to look like. And so I'm excited for that as well. Um, so there's a lot coming up. The party is developing uh, really well. We're working, there's some other states uh, in the works that I think that maybe next week we will be able to start announcing some other states uh, that we're filing in. And that's very exciting. Um, and so it's great to be doing this work with you all uh, in, in the new year. Um, and and reflecting a turnaround uh, for the country in this year with the People's Party. So with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Michelle and she's gonna tell us about hub building. Perfect, thank you, Nick. All right, so um, for anyone that's not met me yet, um, I'm Michelle Ramirez. Um, I live in Kansas, right in the middle of the country. Um, and I'm one of the regional coordinators. Um, and so, uh, the regional coordinators have been working super hard, as many folks have been working super hard around here, uh, but working on uh, building up our hubs is what we call chapters um, all across the country. And so right now, I believe we're in about 28 states um, uh, where we have um, some great um, hub building going on and we have amazing volunteers uh, all across the country in all states and, we, and lots, lots of other states 
Uh, we're just getting things started, connecting folks, um, starting with um, like a state call to um, send out emails to um, folks that are supportive of um, MPP, what we've been building, um, folks who have said that they are interested in volunteering, uh, and really getting things started, um, connecting folks with um, the information also on um, how do we become a political party uh, in that particular state. So um, really, you know, obviously our first steps are just getting folks of like mind together, um, that wanna work together and organize together in that particular state, in that particular hub area, part of the state in your local communities. Uh, and, um, and then bringing in, you know, many different other like-minded folks that you might know as, you know, as we get to that point in your local area. Uh, and also working with local groups. Um, there's many things we can do with building local coalition, just like we build coalition nationally. Uh, we can do that on the local and um, state hub level. Um, those things will be super important as we start to work toward um, officially becoming a party in that state. Um, the more, um, you know, uh, boots on the ground for lack of a better phrase, um, the, mo the more folks who can be uh, working uh, toward what we're doing. So. Currently, and I'm, I know uh, Tiffany will speak a little bit more about uh, elect, electoral strategy, but um, but the regional coordinators um, have been uh, working with um, or meeting with electoral strategy, uh, uh, Tiffany and other folks in electoral strategy to talk about the order of states. Um, so obviously, uh, I think a lot of folks know that um, in this amazingly crazy system that we have in this country uh, of how you could become a party and get on the ballot, um, it's different in every state, uh, although there are um, several trends, you know, there's several different, you know, main types of uh, a way to become a political party. So um, in many places we'll be going for um, party status. Uh, and then um, in some places it's actually called ballot access, but it's all for the same thing to become a party in that state, get ballot access, eventually be able to run candidates there. Um, and so in a lot of places that looks like um, getting, uh, petitions signatures uh, on a um, on the petition for either party status or ballot access. So that just takes people. So um, we've had a huge, 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 huge surge in uh, people volunteering this year, which is really exciting uh, this past year and also this year as well already. Uh, and so we're really excited to get folks uh, working on that. Um, and the electoral strategy circle has done a great job of um, working with folks within the circle and also um, other experts um, on, you know, party formation and ballot access um, strategy and law um, to to come up with the order of states that would be the first ones that, for several different reasons, several different criteria, it makes sense to start working on first. So there's a few states um, that happen to be in my region that we're working on. Um, Colorado, um, you know, we mentioned Maine and Colorado have already. Um, filed as a party and um, Missouri is one of the states uh, in my region that's going to be very soon working on this endeavor but uh, again the first steps are just getting folks connected and bringing in all the new uh, new folks and supporters um, and then in some states um, that maybe are not quite as early in the priority um, or, or letter uh, order of states um, uh, we can always be building there as well. Um, there's just certain ones because of the different either deadlines or um, maybe they have um, the uh, criteria to to start the process is not quite as difficult or we have a large number of folks. There are lots of different criteria uh, involved in, in that decision um, 
on the on the actual order. But uh, for lots of different reasons, there are other states that maybe are not the first ones that we'll be working with uh, on that. But in many areas, we can uh, definitely start building up uh, our teams of folks. We've had lots of different um, amazing um, experienced organizers. So if, if people um, that are listening are uh, an experienced organizer, that's great. Um, definitely sign up to volunteer at peoplesparty.org. If you're not an experienced organizer, that's okay too. Um, we'll be having lots of trainings. Uh, the petition signature gathering is um, not particularly difficult. It's just um, a very specific process um, in each state. And so uh, we'll be working on um, on that with this, the folks in each state. So um, I wanna pass it over to Phil in just a little bit, but I wanted to mention that, um, you know, sign up to volunteer at peoplesparty.org. We are getting, um, things started in, uh, like particularly I can speak in my regions. Um, we have several uh, meetings, uh, state meetings this weekend, and um, we have several state meetings coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. And so um, I'm really excited to, to kind of get things going. And uh, I know everyone wants to get on the ballot and get started, but uh, um, the regional coordinators are working with the state coordinators and hub coordinators to um, identify you know, which areas um, We'll be working on first and then um, working everywhere to to get to that point so um and i did want to mention really quick one of the things that will be really helpful especially in this pandemic um is um in the places where it is a petition uh, that we need signatures for to get on the ballot or to become a party um it's helpful to identify people who would like to sign that petition um when we get to that point in their particular state um the petition does need to be signed uh, physically and not uh, electronically. You can't just sign it like on, online or something, but we are going to have a form online where people can uh, sign the form or, you know, sign up on the form and it will say that you are interested in signing the actual paper peti petition. Uh, and so there'll be a way on there for you to identify, you know, if you'd like to come to maybe an event, for example, in Colorado, they're going to um, this weekend, they're going to be, or I think next Monday, actually, they're going to be going to universities um, all across the state um, to set up, um, um, you know, tables to talk to folks about um, signing the, the actual petition for becoming a party in Colorado for something like that, um, you know, uh, where there's set dates and times where folks will be there. That'll be really helpful um, for, folk, for folks to identify that they're willing to sign that uh, petition. So, uh, and then, so we have that uh, form that we'll be putting um, available to folks uh, and we'll probably put it on our social media and things like that. So if you're in a state that, you know, the process has not yet started, you can at least identify that you're willing to sign that petition when it's time. So that'll be super helpful. And last thing I want to say before I pass to Phil is that we have a welcome and onboarding call this Sunday at 2.30 Pacific time and 5.30 Eastern. Um, and I'm going to put um, the link to register for that. Uh, in the chat but that's just a, a call that is um, for new volunteers to get kind of it's like an orientation into um, the people's party basically um, with uh, some great information and a little more detail so i'll put that in the chat but phil did you want to mention anything else about the hub building and what what uh, great work's been going on in um, in your regions as well and uh, no, I'm, I'm good thank you uh, i think you went over the most of it i just wanted to reiterate what you said about uh encouraging people to plug into local efforts uh, as you can and help build uh, hubs on the local and state level, because in the end, uh, that's where we build power. That's how we where we do the outreach to to get more people on board and spread the good word to to those people who are, you know, feeling really disillusioned with uh, with both the major parties. So, yeah, thanks for going over everything. 
and uh, yeah, onward with building. Great things happening and looking forward to continuing to, to grow as we have been. So uh, with that, I will, and I also, I posted the link to the welcome and onboarding calls in the chat, or actually it looks like we both did. Um, but uh, with that, I will pass it along to our featured local speakers. Uh, first up is our friend Edie in San Diego. Edie, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, all right. Um, thanks, Bill. I'm the hub coordinator for San Diego, California. I just want to share a little bit of history and update on some of the wonderful things that our team's been working on. Um, we started out by doing the People's Stimulus and the Evict Congress events. We went to our representatives' doors. It was a lot of fun. Um, the, the first one was just basically handing our demands over the eviction, the evict Congress event was saying, hey, you haven't done this yet and maybe you should be helping us. <laughs> um, so in San Diego, we decided we didn't wanna just do one Congress person, we had to do three. So we went to three different people on the same day. Um, and we just wanted to tell them it's their responsibility to handle this. I mean, do your job or else you can be evicted from your office as well. Um, right now, we are joining with uh, California Nurses Association and National Nurses United, and we're going to be doing a car caravan on February 6th, um, socially distanced, of course. Um, we're trying to get CalCare here in California, which is going to push Medicare for All nationally. It would guarantee health care to everyone in California, and I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, the last thing that we did just a few weeks ago in support of Force the Vote and also Medicare for All, we went to the beach, stood on a corner with our homemade signs and said, honk for Medicare for All <laughs> and Force the Vote and very busy intersection. It was a Sunday afternoon, people go to the beach. Um, and the support was overwhelming. And if I had to guess it was seven out of 10 cars that was supportive. And some of them were very enthusiastic. <laughs> um, so I really think we need to do everything we can to get Medicare for all passed. How, I, I love what Nick was saying about Biden could just do it. Not sure that he will, kind of doubtful, but we'll see. The, the last thing that I wanted to really go over was being active really makes you feel better. Whether you can join us in the street or not, you can do a lot from just sitting in your favorite chair at home. Now is a great time to get involved. We can't really afford to sit on the sidelines anymore. People are hurting. We need to get out there and do something. So you can sign up at the People's Party website and see what's happening near you. Thanks so much. Peace to you, Mark. Great, thanks, Edie. <clears throat> Hi everyone, my name is Mark Mixon. I am a hub coordinator in Bellingham, Washington, and I am also the newly uh, promoted one of the two uh, state coordinators. I saw in the chat people were asking if they were going to be state coordinators. And yeah, there are several of us, uh, I suspect, in every state. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what's been going on in Washington. We have had a really super exciting two months. We were uh, honestly a little bit of a struggling state. Uh, at the end of November, we had just a couple of hubs that were not uh, feeling super successful, I would say. 
So uh, me and uh, my fellow hub coordinator, uh, Jamin Mason, got together and decided to consolidate, uh, bring ourselves into just one single state hub. And it's been really enormously successful. We sent out a couple hundred emails, um, and now we have five dozen people who are attending our uh, state meetings on some sort of regular basis. Uh, we are about to set up, uh, so we'll have a general meeting in the first week of every month now. Um, I happen to see several people in Washington um, out there in the chat, uh, Janelle in Vancouver, we've got a brand new hub that's starting right down there. And uh, Amparo in uh, Seattle, we also, we got a hub starting in Seattle. Uh, we have hubs starting in Spokane. I was just in a meeting yesterday with a gentleman in Olympia who would also like to start a hub. Uh, my hub in Bellingham is growing. Jamin's hub in Port Orchard is growing. Um, and we are really working hard to uh, organize this state. We are, we are moving very quickly, it feels like. Um, we've been meeting with other activist organizations and other uh, left uh, sort of leaning groups. Um, <clears throat> people in my hub have been working with Whole Washington, which is a universal healthcare uh, group here in Washington State, and I hope to meet with them a little later uh, this month. Um, I've also been talking with the Washington Progressive Party, who came out of the 2016 Bernie Crafts here in Washington, and we're talking about trying to put together a solidarity summit with other uh, left-leaning organizations, uh, the Greens and uh, the Our Revolution Washington. Um, and try to tie it in with the day of action. So we got a lot of things happening here. I, you know, I see a lot of people in chat who are asking like, how can I get involved? And what I've been telling people in my state is that when a lot of people sign up, they feel like they've signed up to join the People's Party. But I have to tell you, it doesn't exist yet, right? You're, you've signed up movement. We are a group of people who want to create a party and we really need your help, right? There, there might not be people to tell you exactly what to do right now. But join up, sign into that Slack, start looking for other people that are in your state, reach out to them, connect, right? All it takes to build a hub and to start a meeting is to find a couple of you who are willing to sit down on a Zoom and talk about how you want to make things better for your state, right? It, uh, believe me, if Washington is any indication, people are hungry. All you have to do is start reaching out and you will have people jump, jump in, jumping in, man. It is. It is crazy. They, everyone wants to work. The biggest challenge is trying to make sure everyone has work to do. <laughs> it's really, and because people want to, they want to work and it's hard to get everyone coordinated. That's what we're doing. So especially if what you feel passionate about, like I do, is building a structure that can provide a voice of the people, let people actually have a voice in their government, let people actually have a voice and representation for once, please, Go to the volunteer page, sign up. Uh, some of us will reach out to you. Um, those of you I mentioned, I will be reaching out to you. If I see your name in the chat and you're here in Washington, expect an email from me. All right, so I think that's everything I've got. And with that, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it to Regina. Wow, <laughs> that's so exciting. <laughs> Great updates from Washington and uh, San Diego. Um, I'm Regina Clark, I live in Brooklyn former Texan for any Texans out there as well. 
Um, I'm a co-coordinator of the Finance Working Group. Yay, numbers. Um, we have a growing team of uh, volunteers doing some amazing work in the Finance Working Group. Um, we have amazing plans for this year in terms of updates uh, that we're going to be having periodically. Um, the first big one um, update is an annual impact report. So the donor and financer, financing <laughs> fundraising circle uh, is taking the lead on this. Um, so basically what this is going to have is it's going to be a report to include uh, financial as well as some amazing things these donations helped to support last year. Um, so this is just a recap of 2020. This will go out to both volunteers and donors, but we'll also be sending more frequent updates throughout the year, kind of a smaller consensus, smaller uh, bit of information. Um, but just one thing to, to, to note, uh, just please remember to always reference uh, the financials uh, on the website. So if you're ever wondering what's going on, you can always reference financials, uh, peoplesbody.org uh, slash about slash transparency. Uh, that's that's pretty much it in terms of uh, finance updates. Definitely look out for emails starting February is when we're aiming to to get the impact report uh, to everyone. Um, so with that, I'll just uh, go ahead and pass it off to Tiffany. All right. Uh, thank you, Regina. My name is Tiffany. I am a co-coordinator in political outreach with Nick. Um, I currently reside outside of Boston, Massachusetts, um, but I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, I grew up on the, um, the lake in West Michigan. Yes, yay, Michigan. Um, so uh, I also am the facilitator for the electoral strategy circle as Michelle talked about a little earlier tonight. Uh, we finished our first project, which was getting all the ballot access information together. Um, in addition to the signature gathering states, we also have states where we need to get people registered with the party. And we have other uh, states that um, we need to run candidates that earn a certain threshold of the vote. Um, but signing up and pledging your support will be very helpful to us in all of our efforts um, going forward. Uh, we're also, I am also facilitating uh, the legal circle where we are looking for attorneys to uh, help us with our ballot access efforts in each state. So if you are an attorney and you would like to get involved, um, please contact me. Uh, and we're, we'll be having our next uh, legal circle meeting next week, Tuesday. Um, so uh, yes, we need attorneys in all 50 states. This is, uh, it's a huge undertaking, um, but, and we need all the help we can get. So if you're an attorney or you know an attorney that will be willing to help us out, please send them uh, my way. Um, and in addition to that, um, since we've gathered all the information for the electoral strategy work and we've put together all of our action plans and now we're uh, working with the regional coordinators. Uh, we, the circle came up with its next uh, research project. So now we're, um, we're collaborating on a uh, list of all the current representatives and senators and governors in every state. Um, and once we get all that information together, we'll be 
working on targeting, um, uh, honing in on our strategy for where would be the best place to start running candidates. Um, so that's very exciting work. Uh, and um, that's what's happening in electoral strategy right now. Um, and if you'd like to get involved, you're always welcome. Uh, get on our Slack and send me a direct message. Uh, we'd love to have you be a part of it. Um, and now I can't remember who, oh, I'm passing it on to Phil. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Tiffany. Cool. So uh, yeah, let's jump into uh, some of the Q&A. Uh, a lot of good questions in the chat. Um, first one, there's been a, there's been several similar ones along this line. So I'm just going to read a few of them. Uh, basically uh, talking about strategy, you know, what's the road to power, uh, you know, concerns about, uh, you know, going the way of the Green Party of working for decades, but not becoming relevant and getting people elected or, and, uh, you know, a bit about our strategy to establish candidates for on the state level uh, versus uh, national level. So uh, Nick or Tiffany, would you like to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I can start off. Um, and then maybe Tiffany can fill in anything, uh, anything else. Um, and so uh, uh, 2022 and 2024, uh, we have uh, a strategy uh, for making sure that we are as successful as a party as possible. Um, the mainstream media, uh, you know, wants very desperately to write us off and to kind of pigeonhole us as like another Green Party because, you know, um, they've managed to uh, equate the Green Party with kind of uh, be, be as being like synonymous with not viable. And so they want to say, oh, look, you know, the People's Party is just like a new iteration of the Green Party, you know, and so already in some of the mainstream media articles that we've had of us in the Washington Post and Politico, um, they've tried to draw that connection, you know, and obviously uh, that's not the case uh, for reasons that we've talked about. Um, but in order to, you know, strategically ensure that uh, that they cannot uh, portray us that way and also that, you know, people don't see us that way, uh, that they understand that we are in fact building a major new party. Uh, we are not building a third party, so to speak. Um, is our 2022 strategy in, and uh, in relation to it, our 2024 strategy. And so um, in 2022, uh, we want to run enough congressional candidates, uh, about 15, in order to be able to get national party recognition. Um, and so that is required because the FEC requires that you run about that many uh, congressional candidates in different parts of the country. Um, to get that recognition. And so that is an objective of ours. Uh, another part of, uh, another reason that that's an objective is that 2022 is kind of like a springboard to 2024. And so we want uh, people to see that, in fact, we, uh, coming out of 2022, we want people to say, wow, the People's Party, you know, uh, was able to shatter the illusion of invincibility that the Democrats and the Republicans have. And so we were able to elect uh, members of Congress, you know, to the, to the national legislature who get the bully pulpit, um, you know, who don't answer to Pelosi, don't answer to the Democratic Party establishment, they don't answer to the DNC or the DCCC or the RNC. Um, and that 
is going to give us people who will then be talking at that national stage um, about the People's Party and showing that, you know, um, showing that a different kind of politics is different, you know, it is possible. And so we'll have access to uh, that access to the bully pulpit will be kind of like our greatest tool going into 2024 and being able to show, yes, see the people's part, it is possible because that will embolden everyone for us to come out in 2022 with victories. And so it's important um, given that, that we run, that we make sure that we're running only essentially as many candidates and really kind of focusing on only as many candidates as we can really push to victory. And so not everyone's gonna win, of course, but we want to ensure that there is a decently um, high percentage of victories, uh, again, so that we can't essentially uh, be ridden off, so that those who would want to write us off, you know, on Wall Street, the corporate parties and the mainstream media are not able to do that um, coming out of it. Instead, that they are shocked at our success. Uh, and then that emboldens people leading up to 2024 uh, and to a presidential campaign at that point. And a, a successful presidential campaign can create a down ballot effect whereby at every level of government from school board to city council to state representative, state senator, you know, up to uh, Congress and Senate, uh, you have a kind of down ballot effect, you know, where people vote for the top of the ticket and they'll vote for everybody else who's a member of that party. Uh, and so they'll vote people's party down the line. And so that's really the political revolution moment is 2024. 2022 is the springboard and 2024 is the political revolution. And so in 2022, it's important that we are being very strategic about where we put our resources, not spreading ourselves too thin, which is a mistake that other independent parties have made and ensuring that we get actual victories coming out of that. Um, and that instead of being uh, people writing us off, they are saying, wow, look at what they did, that succeeded. And now we have, we're on the national stage. You know, maybe, maybe even because the Republicans are gonna take democratic seats, maybe even the People's Party would deny the Democrats and the Republicans a majority in the house. Think of, imagine how, imagine how interesting that would be. And then either of the two major parties would have to go to our representatives in order to get anything passed. Or, as I think we all know would happen, they would begin to collaborate between themselves and expose that the real fissure in American politics, the real axis is not um, Democrat versus Republican. It is in fact, corporate politicians and corporate parties versus everybody else, versus those who represent the people, those who don't take corporate money, which is us. And the, seeing that, seeing that collaboration between the two parties will expose them to their basis and to the American people and show that really they are on the same team as we know. And that will also help propel uh, us in 2024, our presidential candidate and everybody who's running down ballot at every level in 2024. Tiffany, do you have anything to add to that? 
I do have stuff to add, uh, Nick. I just wanted to point out that Nick has an excellent description and very hopeful and very exciting about the big picture running candidates for president and Congress and Senate, you know, and it's all very exciting and it's, it's a big part of what we're doing as a party. And I just wanted to um, make sure that everyone, you also realize that there's a lot of smaller stuff steps along the way, uh, electoral strategy. Um, we need to be prepared to, um, for they're gonna throw the kit everything uh, but the kitchen sink at us, probably the kitchen sink as well. Um, and we need to be prepared. And that's part of uh, what's really exciting about the work the electoral strategy circle is doing is now that we've gotten beyond um, the ballot access stuff and we can put all those plans into action, um, we're now focusing on where can we make ourselves most useful? What research projects can we take on that will help us be prepared to face whatever challenges that um, come up? How do we respond by all of the attacks? How do we respond to infiltrators? How do we, um, where can we get, where are we gonna get financed? Um, you know, all of these sorts of questions also contribute to um, building this party. Um, and it's all part of the strategic vision. So while Nick is taking care of all the big stuff, um, we're here taking care of uh, the smaller stuff, but it's no less important um, in getting us to where we want to be as the next major political party. Um, back to you, Phil. All right. To, to follow that one up, uh, I have one that's a bit easier. Uh, just if somebody could uh, say again when the calls are going to be about the party bylaws or what the plan is. We haven't set the dates uh, for that just yet, but as soon as we have them, we'll announce them uh, in uh, on a national call on Slack. Um, yeah, we'll make sure that everybody knows. Uh, then a, a little bit more of a, a pondering one or a philosoph philosophizing one. Uh, do you think that a budget committee chair for Bernie is better or worse than the Secretary of Labor? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, I, I think he would, he would have a lot more to leverage to pressure the Biden administration if he was actually in the administration. Um, and, and, and a part of the cabinet meetings and a part of, uh, uh, you know, in, inside the White House, um, you know, which is part of the reason that he wanted it in the first place. But part of the problem is that Bernie didn't negotiate it when he stepped down. Uh, you know, when he conceded, um, he could have demanded uh, very many things um, uh, back in the spring of, of last year. Um, but the only thing that unfortunately we got was a series of task forces, which even the Biden administration has, um, has, has stated um, that, they, uh, uh, that they don't take seriously, basically. And even the results of the task forces as uh, Pramila Jayapal recently said in an interview with Marianne Williamson, are not binding. <laughs> and so it's just multiple levels of like, you know, of, of joke. Um, and so uh, uh, my perspective is that him being in administration would have been better. Um, although it's certainly uh, better to have him as budget chair than, uh, uh, than, than a Republican or a corporate Democrat. So happy for that. 
Um, and I hope that he uses his influence to really pressure the Biden administration because Bernie Sanders is the two-time runner-up um, for president inside the Democratic Party. So if there is anyone who is kind of like a leader in exile or so to speak in American politics, who has the power to rally the people to the cause of Medicare for all or a Green New Deal or a basic income, it is Bernie Sanders. He just has to choose to use his power um, and, and, uh, and, and really um, be adversarial with the Biden administration um, as do the squad. Uh, if they do that, for example, as of now, they haven't demanded that the Biden administration use his unilateral authority to, to give everyone in the country Medicare for all. They should do that. Um, and so that's, uh, that's really what it comes down to, regardless of what position that uh, Bernie Sanders has and the squad has, they have a, despite having small representation by using the bully pulpit, like our members of Congress will, they can have a very much outsized impact. All right. So let's see. Um, let's see. Where's another one? So uh, you talked a bit about this already, but maybe from a strategy aspect, you know, how are we streamlining our message and platform to appeal to citizens while avoiding infighting and irrelevance? And uh, I mean, I can speak brief on that. I, a few people have had similar questions to this so far, and uh, we're we're not focusing. We're making sure we don't focus on political identity and are focusing on issues that have broad support, like Medicare for all, like getting money out of politics, like ending foreign wars, things like that. Uh, that way we don't get caught up in uh, you know, political identity, like I'm socialist, I'm progressive, I'm conservative, I'm moderate, this, but rather focusing on the issues that have broad support that we can link arms on. And uh, anybody else like to add anything to that? I will share some of, uh, uh, for example, what the People's Party you know, platform um, could incorporate and what I imagine it will incorporate um, with the things that that members have expressed great support for. Uh, so getting money out of politics, that's like above 90% support. The basic income in the form of recurring stimulus checks, 82%. Net neutrality, 77%. Universal pre-K, especially important now, you know, with the lack of childcare during the pandemic also 77%, raising taxes on the rich, 76, increasing financial regulation, 75, ending mandatory minimum sentencing, 72. And so you see that there's, there's a super majority support. All of those issues had more than 70, 75% or more support, you know, and you can go down the line with um, Medicare for all, 72, legalizing marijuana, 67, Green New Deal, 63, Free Public College, 62. And so super majority support among the American people, but no representation among the corporate parties. And so that's our platform is one of super majority support because there's a, the Democrats and Republicans, if this is the spectrum of American political thought of like what the people think, the Democrats and Republicans, they argue here. And then there's this whole other space right here that of what people believe that is right there 
for us to speak for the people on. So that's how we'll avoid that, you know, that kind of irrelevance is by running obviously on the things that people believe in and that they need the most. All right. So uh have a question that I think a lot of people might be interested in, but uh, maybe a little contentious. Any update on our new logo? Oh, uh, not yet, but stay tuned. All right, let me see what other ones we might have. Um, oh, yes, this one. Uh, crucial thing, what can, we, what can the party do to avoid uh, the gatekeepers that won't allow us to be in the debates? Key hurdle. Mm. Um, and so I imagine that they are um, referring to the general presidential election debates. Uh, we won't, of course, be in the primary, the Democratic primary debates, because those will be for Democrats uh, in the presidential race. Um, but we will be, uh, if there are any general election debates, uh, and this applies for uh, congressional races as well. We will, of course, challenge our Democrat, you know, Democrats or Republicans who are running against to debates uh, and to town halls. Um, and then for the presidency, uh, there is a 15% threshold to be able to get into the presidential debates. Um, and we believe that that is very, very much achievable. Uh, and just to give you one example of why uh, Jesse Ventura um, whom there was speculation about him running last year for president, uh, he was polling at 18% without even having announced a campaign, run a single political ad, gone on television talking about it, you know, how he was going to run. A, a Fox News poll included him, you know, because there had been some speculation about him running, and he was already at that threshold. And so there's an enormous amount of latent support for an independent um, political party that actually stands for what people believe in. Um, and of course, with all those issues that I listed, you know, that is um, the position that we'll be running in, you know, and uh, it bears saying, you know, because we should repeat it again and again and again, that a large majority of Americans, 60% want a major new party. And so Anybody can go look that up. There was a poll conducted in September. That is the latest one. It was conducted by uh, The Hill, Hill Harris, um, and you can go and find it. And an even greater share of people of color, African-Americans, Latinos want it as well. An even greater share of working class people want it. People who earn less, a greater share of young people want it. So the, what, what do these people have in common? They're the most disadvantaged by the system as it exists. And so that's something that we should always be sharing uh, is that the large majority of Americans want a major new party. They're demanding it. They don't have confidence that the corporate parties can be reformed. They have seen enough. Indeed. So uh, so I had this question a few times, figured we might answer it live as well. Um, are there any disgruntled Republicans at the table yet? Or what are we doing to reach out to our conservative friends? Um, and, you know, how are we reaching out to them at this early stage? So um, I'll get started on that answer. I mean, so yeah, a lot of our friends in our in, rural, in more rural communities are expressing, you know, uh, reaching out to conservative people. And we are not going to succeed if we don't have our many of our conservative friends on board. 
And you know, to reiterate something we said earlier, that's why we're we're focusing on issues as opposed to political identities uh, and the issues that have that widespread support. So uh, didn't know if anybody had anything else they wanted to add to that. I know we kind of covered that a bit earlier. All right. And uh, with that, I think uh, you know we're getting close to the end of the hour. So I'm going to uh, pass it off to Michelle if you're ready to close us out. Thank you, Phil. I am. I am. And thanks uh, for all the great questions. Uh, we tried to answer as many in the Q&A uh, as we were going, as well as the ones that uh, uh, we answered live. So, um, so thanks for everybody that's been on. Uh, I just wanted to read um, for our checkout. It's very short, um, but it's uh, a small poem that I found online. Um, the author, it says, is Leslie Dwight. And I just thought it posed an interesting um, comment, I guess, or uh, posed an interesting something or other. Um, and it says, it begins, what if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw, that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our, our, our ignorant, it says slumber. Um, and the reason I, I that spoke to me is just because uh, I don't know um, about others, but for me personally, I think that um, the challenges of this past year, which have been immense, obviously, for a lot of people uh, and real, real struggles um, for so many people um, have also presented this opportunity for people to realize that our systems are not working our government is not representing the people and so many people now are ready to try to do something new and try to build um, something new, some a major new party, a, a people's party that actually does respond to the needs of the people. So that um, just small, small poem uh, spoke to me because I, I think it was um, important to bring up that, um, that I know people are really, really struggling, but, um, but uh, it's a moment where we can really come together uh, as Phil would say, link arms and solidarity and work with uh, others of all kinds of um, different positions and opinions uh, and go forward in this mission and stay focused on that. So, so that's my closing for the evening. And um, we're gonna ask some other amazing, much more creative folks uh, in our creative arts working group, maybe if they can give us some great closing ideas for future, future calls, if y'all have some great ideas um, for some closings um, and for some other things that we can have on the national calls, um, please bring it up in Slack or, or via email. Um, we'd love to hear some ideas on that as well. So, so um, thanks all for being on the call and um, make sure you, uh, you know, like all our social media pages um, and um, social media platforms and all that good stuff. And I uh, look forward to working with you all, so. Any other panelists want to say good night? Have a great night, all. Excited to be on this journey with you. Good night. Take care. Good night, night, everyone. Thanks for joining. Bye. Have a great night, y'all. All power to the people. Power to the people. Thank you to our amazing speakers as well. Our friends, Edie and Mark, for joining us as well uh, tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good night, all. Doing the same thing, expecting differences is what it means to be.
choose between war and war is not what it means to play the game. Why does it put your mind at ease to ignore this big disease? Why do you like to sit and pretend when you always know the end? Go tell the BBC, go tell the CIA. It's time for revolution Go tell the DSA GP and SA It's time for revolution Throwing you a single crumb Is not what it means to compromise Some call it strength and rhetoric But I just call it telling lies when you reach a point of crisis The status quo, it needs to change And if you can't understand that truth, well It's time to get out of the way Go tell the BBC, go tell the CIA It's time for revolution Go tell the NSA, stop listening to what we say it's time for revolution A wise man said that love's the answer And this fool knows that to be true Cause I'm not ready to give up yet Long as there's still a me and you So I'll tell the BBC, I'll tell the CIA It's time for revolution, I'll tell the DSA, GP 